0: following podcast may contain spoilers profanity and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed we don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either listener discretion is advised the following is a galactic network podcast
1: Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 251, recorded on Thursday, November 1st. Where has the year gone, Brad? I have no idea. It's still 2018, though. I'm Dave Nelson, and he's still Brad Ludwig. Hello, Brad. Hello. <laughs> Coming up, extraterrestrials, maybe purple. Are they purple people eaters? Possibly? We don't know. There's a mini series being made from one of our favorite UFO incidents. And a multiple craft sighting in Colorado. Brad will have the details on that, plus our picks and warnings. Before all that, though, our question. Dave? Huh? Dave? Huh? Hey, Dave, what's the question? So, Brad, who do you think is the nicest alien race in either reality or fiction? And or fiction. You can choose both or either.
0: Wow. Nicest. The nicest. Yeah. Yeah. I went Whew. I went there. That is a really good question. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to go with tribbles.
1: <laughs> you know, they'll eat you out of house and home, right?
0: Yep, but as long as you keep your uh food locked up, you should be all right.
1: Okay? Uh, do you have one in real life? Do cats count? <laughs> You know what? Let's count cats. All I'm going right. to say cats are aliens, and we've talked about that multiple times on this it's podcast, true. that cats are aliens. So if, if you say it, I say it, it's true, and they are nice. Okay. Well, actually, some would debate that, that cats, cats aren't nice, but those people are wrong <laughs> in so many ways. Okay, so any any other? You want to add anything to your to your answers as to why or? I, you know uh,
0: they don't sass and they have very simple needs. I mean, quite honestly,
1: for both, really. Yeah. When you think about it, because tribbles are just there to, they got that nice calming purr. You can pick yep. them up and they they won't Eat, run away. Replicate.
0: That's yeah. all that they need to do.
1: Yep. All right, so my answers, I'm going to go with real-life extraterrestrials. You know that story about the guy who kept on having sex with that one alien all of his life from, like, teenage years up until, I don't yes. know, 50s or 60s? You know that one? hmm I'm going to say that race is the nicest alien race, although— one could say that they're sexual predators. One could. One could. Yeah. But I'm going to just disregard that and say, you know what? They're nice. So I'm going to say in real life that alien race are nice. They're the nicest ones. And in fiction, hmm. Oh, you know what? I got it. Endor. Uh, uh, the Ewoks? The Ewoks, yes. They're All nice. Right. Yeah. I mean they could they ha- when they have to defend themselves they do but if you're nice to them guarantee you that they'll be nice to you back tenfold
0: No that's very true They're
1: accommodating they're cute looking they're like little teddy bears on on living teddy bears is what they are <laughs> Plus they can sing
0: That is very true <laughs> yub, or- yub. in the news can we talk about The Color Purple? Uh, and I'm not talking about the movie or the book. Oh, you ruined my joke. Yep, sorry. <laughs> this, this story is uh, sans uh, Oprah and...
1: <sighs> Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, yes.
0: So it turns out, at one point in time, life on Earth when it first started out, was most likely purple. Hmm. So, a new study that has been uh, put forth in, when I say purple, I mean a lavender hue. So we're talking a lighter, lighter shade of purple. Uh, in the International Journal of Astrobiology, a microbiologist of the University of Maryland has Put forth the notion that before green plants started harnessing the power of the sun using its chlorophyll
1: and photosynthesis. What what was this quiz? It's a quiz? You wanted to know from me?
0: (laughs) No. Okay. Uh, There were tiny purple organisms here first, and they figured out how to do it.
1: How to get it on?
0: How to process oh, solar energy okay. into food. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm sure they had to, you know, procreate as well to keep <laughs> things going. So I guess in 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 sort of uh, another way you look at it, yes. Uh, alien life could be thriving in the same way. So uh, astronomers have discovered thousands of new extrasolar planets, which we've talked about, and they are developing the capacity to see surface biosignatures. That is, the light reflected from these planets. And there are already ways to detect green life from space. But they're saying that scientists might need to start looking for purple as well. Now, it was posited in 2007 that plants and photosynthesizing algae as we said, use chlorophyll to absorb the energy from the sun, but they don't absorb green light, which is odd because green light is energy rich. Okay. Perhaps what they reasoned is something else was already using that part of the spectrum when chlorophyll photosynthesizers evolved. Oh, okay. And that something else would have been simple organisms that captured the solar energy with a molecule called retinol. And retinol pigments absorb green light best. They're not as efficient as chlorophyll in capturing solar energy, but they are simpler. So retinol's light harvesting ability is uh, still uh, widespread today among bacteria and single cell organisms uh, called archaea. Uh, these purple organisms have been discovered everywhere from the oceans to the Antarctic to the surfaces of leaves on trees. Wow. It's everywhere. So they've also found a visual system of more complex animals. The appearance of the pigments across many living organisms hints that they may have evolved very early on in ancestors common to many branches Uh to the tree of life. Okay. There's even some evidence that modern purple-pigmented, salt-loving organisms called halophiles might be related to some of the earliest life on Earth, which thrived around methane vents in the ocean. So, with all of those things in mind, they're saying that we should be looking for the color purple in space. They need to detect what they call the red edge. And this uh, red edge is a sudden change in the reflection of light at the near-infrared part of the spectrum, where plants suddenly stop absorbing red wavelengths and start reflecting them away. So they should start scanning for infrared radiation from planets as well. And to try to determine that red edge to see if purple life is on these planets.
1: Wow. You know, the more we do research on finding life in the galaxy, in the universe, mm-hmm. the more we get smarter, you know? We're, we're learning all <laughs> this stuff every day. Every, every episode, you bring something that we have to think about and that we yeah. didn't know before. And this is one <laughs> of those.
0: It is, most definitely.
1: And I'm going to talk about stupid TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, no, we cover the whole gamut. We we
0: cover all the palettes. We cover the gamut of all topics of alien life, not just intelligent. Everybody assumes intelligent. That's not necessarily the
1: case. Now, I have a question that you may or may not be able to answer, Brad. Okay. Now, is this something that they can, like, send a patch up to, like, the the new um, planet hunting probe or satellite? I forget what it's called. We talked about it a little while ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, it's the uh, TESS, the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite.
1: I knew it was a word or a name formed from words. Yes. TESS, okay. So my question is... Can they send like a software update to like TESS, for example, so it will have enhanced abilities to search for this new spectrum?
0: Theoretically, but the you know the equipment would have to be able to oh. register that spectrum. Okay, so, yeah,
1: yeah, there's that. Yeah, so somebody's got to make a brand new damn satellite. <laughs> well, I suppose they can do it from. Um, from Earth too. Because so yes. they, they find planets from Earth based observatories as well, right? They do. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. So uh the 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 future is looking pretty purple, I'd say. Purple rain, purple mm. rain. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, if if the purple beings would have you know, if, if if purple was the color to evolved into humans, we would have turned into oompa loompas. Right? They were purple? They were orange. Okay. No, they were orange. Okay. Uh, we would turn into the Smurfs. They were purple, right? They no, were blue. Blue. Okay. Damn it. Something was purple out there.
0: <laughs> I think the Snorks were purple.
1: Okay. Right. We We would turn into Snorks. Yes. Okay. So continuing on in the news, my story this week involves a famous UFO incident that we have talked about on this podcast numerous times. I'm pretty excited about this. I want to thank your wife for posting the story on the uh, Galactic Network uh, social feeds, because I <laughs> wouldn't have known about it except if it was for her. I mean, I wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for her. That's what I meant to say. So, thank you, Vanessa. Lawrence Fishburne to star and produce Sony's UFO drama, Rendlesham, as in Rendlesham Forest. You know the one. The eight-part drama miniseries is inspired by the real-life UFO incident that took place at a U.S. Air Force base close to the village of Rendlesham. Suffolk? Suffolk. Daryl would kill me. Suffolk? Yes. Suffolk, Suffolk, the U.K. in 1980. Now, I'm going to review what happened, even though I'm sure that you know already what happened. But if you're new to the show, maybe you don't. So, this is what happened. Several people in the village's small forest, including a number of Air Force servicemen, claimed to witness a glowing object in the sky before it flew off into the trees. The sighting was recorded by Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt in an official report that was made public in 1983 but was subsequently denied by other officers, uh, leading many to conspiracy theories. So at first, he was the only one who claimed this happened. But over time, people have actually come out and said, yeah, I was part of this as well. I witnessed this too. So he's not the only one anymore uh, to actually say this event happened. The series, which will revolve around a family in the area, is played out against the Cold War and will feature dual timelines this is what i thought was interesting about this show it will involve dual timelines one during the time of the sighting sightings in 1980 and one in 2020 the anniversary of the event so i'm guessing i could be wrong about this but i'm guessing the miniseries will debut in 2020 i'm just i'm spitballing here brad i would say that's a safe bet yeah God, 2020 is only a year and a couple months away. Holy crap. (laughs) Shoot me now. Just shoot me now, Brad. (laughs) Fishburne will play the lead role of Tyrone, a retired American airman, airman, uh, previously stationed at the infamous airbase during the height of the Cold War, alongside wife Carol and son Brock. Tyrone returns... His fir- wife. His wife? Carol, Carol, his wife and son Brock. Uh, Tyrone returns for the first time to visit Carol's dying father and is forced to face events that have haunted him his whole life. Fishburne will also be one of the executive producers on this miniseries. So, so far it's only eight episodes ordered for Rendlesham. Didn't one of us say a while ago that we wished there was a movie or TV show about this incident?
0: I believe so.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It was either me or you. Well, it had to be me me or you. Yep. Because we're the only ones here. It's so funny (laughs) how that happened. That is a little weird. Wishes granted. Do you want (laughs) to win the lottery? We can say that on the podcast. And that may also come true. Hey, Dave. Yeah. I'd like to win the lottery. All right. So uh, we don't have a date yet for when this show will premiere. But like I said before, I'm guessing sometime in 2020. So uh, you don't have to hold your breath. I wouldn't recommend holding your breath because it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Brad, don't hold your breath. I will not hold my breath. So are you excited about this? This is something that really kind of gets you going? Like you can't wait for this?
0: I'm really looking forward to it actually. I it's probably one of the more intriguing uh, international UFOs in which two armed forces services, the, the air forces of the the UK and the United States both <laughs> witnessed this. Yep. So yeah, it's kind of a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. We have a uh, Blue Book coming out soon. That's not out already, is it? I don't believe so. Okay. So it, it sounds like there's a new trend starting. Fictional representations of actual events involving UFOs. I'm excited about that possibility of more. Yes. All right. What other incident would you like to see recreated on the small or big screen? Ooh, I know. That one in uh, Ohio. I forget what it's called. It was uh, something crashed in the woods, and a whole bunch of like military came in and took it away, and people saw it on the back of a flatbed. And some theorized it was like a German UFO from World War II or something like that. Huh.
0: Think. Oh. Oh, man. That's kind of ringing a bell. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm terrible with names and remembering Sh- things. Shoot. Yeah. Details. Not good. So what would you say would be one that you would like to—oh, could uh, do—well, Roswell's been done before.
0: Yeah. I can't remember the specific name, the one that uh, went underwater for a while.
1: Oh, oh, the uh, Shag Harbor. Yes, Yes, yes. That'd be cool. Plus, that would be Canadian, which would be awesome.
0: There you go. Go Canada.
1: If you have thoughts, feelings, or a strong opinion on the story that we just talked about, email aliens at gncasts.com. That's aliens at gncasts.com. Or call our voicemail number, area code 805-328-3966, 805-328-3966. Thank you for your feedback.
0: Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us by searching for Galactic Network on all the major social networks or click on the icons at GNCast.com. Please identify the craft you witnessed.
1: A black triangular
0: three-dimensional shape, huge, just flying hovering in it. Shaped like almost like between an egg and like a teardrop.
1: Two long cylinder wow. objects flying over me and I can see the occupants in it. It are to be
0: rotating and it was um, circular in a disc shape, and it hovered for maybe about
1: five minutes. Here is the sighting segment of the show. This is where we talk about an incident that happened somewhere in the world that could involve extraterrestrial craft, or it could involve swamp gas, or Venus. People seeing Venus. So it's it's Brad's turn this time around. So what kind of sighting did you bring the show to the show this time?
0: So this one is a little different because normally— we go to like the National UFO uh, reporting site, uh, reporting center, sorry, or MUFON. This one, well, this one actually did come from MUFON.com, but it's different in that it's not a readout of like s- stats and not necessarily filled out uh, report by the person that witnessed it. It's an actual article that they had of something that happened just this past June. Okay. June June 7th, to be more specific. Uh, This happened in Colorado, and it was not one, not two, not three, but five low-flying objects. They hovered and moved around the witnesses' home for more than an hour, they say. It started at 10.30 p.m. on June the 7th of 2018. And the witness says, My daughter and I went outside to smoke a cigarette, and we like to look at the night sky anyway. We have seen objects in the sky off and on for months now anyway, so they were out there just hanging out and seeing what they could see. The two were standing by uh, uh, the back door of the house when they looked out their right and noticed a larger and brighter light hovering over the treetops across the street. Then another one that was not as bright higher in the sky and to the right of the first. The witness then says, uh, We saw another one start moving right over us in a straight line, no noise, and in a completely straight line until it stopped over our backyard, where it just sat and hovered. There was also one that stopped over our heads, made no noise, and hovered there. Wow. And one more that was a little, uh, excuse me, a little distance away from the one hovering over us, and it also sat still in the sky. All of the crafts had a small extension on the bottom. I don't know what that means. Let's go further but only two shined brighter and one was giving off red and white colors. They say they watched it for about 15 minutes, put the dog inside. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if it was going nuts or if it was just sitting on its haunches wondering what the heck was going on. Uh, Then they watched it for a few more minutes and then they, then they just went inside. (laughs) Uh, They (laughs) stepped back outside about 45 minutes later and three of the objects were still there. For
1: another cigarette, I'm guessing.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Depending on how, uh, uh, how much they smoke, that's, that's a distinct possibility.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the witness says that their daughter tried to video, but when it wouldn't come out very well, as it was so dark outside, she deleted it before I could stop her. We were not afraid and did not feel threatened. We were also not surprised if I, as I have seen craft since I was a kid. And since moving from Denver to Pueblo a couple of years ago, we have seen craft numerous times, especially when we lived in Pueblo West. We saw craft all the time over the reservoir. Now, MUFON Colorado field agents have closed the case and they've listed it as an unknown aerial vehicle. Mm,
1: okay. You know me Brad, I'm one to want to believe that aliens exist and these were actual UF or these were actual like flying saucers or extraterrestrial craft, right? Mm-hmm. But this is Colorado. And you know what happens in Colorado, right? <laughs>
0: You're saying that weed could have been involved at some point in this story. Possibly,
1: yeah, possibly. And you know, if depending on what kind of weed that you have, they may be getting a different kind of reaction than a typical high would be. Seeing things like object in the sky. I don't know. I'm just that's one possibility. Probably not the right one, but I I thought I'd just throw it out there. Fair enough. If you like this podcast, The Alien Invasion, and would love to support us in a very simple way, we ask that you go to gncasts.com slash support. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Uh, Now, with Patreon, we're just asking for a few dollars a month. It's not per episode it's per month at 1, 3 and 5 dollar levels and each level has its own perk like you can get your name mentioned on our shows not just this show but all of our other podcasts that are part of the galactic network network you can get a whole message read and other perks other other things that you'll get for your $3, $5 a month support of the network. So again, go to gncasts.com slash support. Click on that Patreon link. And I believe we also have a link to our Amazon affiliate link on that page as well. So if you're going to be doing some shopping on Amazon, uh, click that link and support us that way as well. gncasts.com slash support. And we thank you. Watching, reading. playing, listening, making. Picks and warnings time. These are some kind of media that we've taken into our senses that involve aliens somehow. And I'm going to go first. My pick this w- this week, which is definitely a pick, is this week's Supergirl episode, Man of Steel. And when I first saw the title, I thought it would be the return of Superman, but turns out it's not. It's a story about agent liberty who is is, is agent liberty is that a real villain in the comics brad do you know
0: agent liberty is a character that does exist in the dc universe okay agent liberty is a as i recall a good character
1: this guy is not a good character at all no not even a little bit did you see the episode i have not yet okay I won't be too spoilery then. That's all right. It's basically the origin story of what made Ben Lockwood into Agent Liberty. Uh, He was a very nice person, open-minded, until Alien started messing with his life, basically. His father, played by the same actor that was in The Walking Dead as Gregory. I don't know if you watch The Walking Dead, Brad. I don't. Okay. But he was Gregory in The Walking Dead. Anyways, his father was very xenophobic, and uh, this Ben Lockwood was not until, I think it was the, um, not the Kryptonians, the, um, who is, what's the- oh, the Daxamites? Yeah, the Daxamites came and started messing with the earth. And so sure. he lost his father- and like they destroyed his house and all this stuff, so he turned into this person who hated aliens, and it began as kind of a cult, like not a cult, but an organization of like-minded individuals right. to kind of like uh, speak out against aliens. And it turned, and he finally kind of evolved into this this leader named Agent of Liberty or Agent Liberty, and he turned into a bad guy. And and a villain. What was interesting about this episode, it was very timely and it wasn't done on purpose. There's no way it could be done on purpose. Uh, It came out the same week that we had the mail bombings, the the pipe bombs sent in the mail, Uh and the shooting in Pittsburgh. So it was very, it kind of hit home for us who experienced those events as well because it's all about somebody being against those of those people that aren't you that aren't from your race or aren't from your world basically and mm-hmm. i thought that was timely and it was a complete happenstance that it happened that, that it came out the same week as all this, all this other stuff but it was very interesting to watch The same motivations and the same uh, issues, but through the lens of somebody that doesn't like extraterrestrials, not other human beings. So Mm -hmm. I highly recommend that you watch Supergirl episode Man of Steel. Uh, We watched it on TV, on the TV. I think it's available (laughs) um, other places that you can like. I think Hulu in the States, right? So available on Hulu? I'm guessing.
0: Actually, on the CW app, oh, it is okay. no longer available on Hulu. Okay. All right. It becomes available on Netflix I think a week after the season ends.
1: Mm, okay. See, we're And then you can binge our season. We're um our Flash is no longer available on Bell Media, who was who was airing Flash, The Flash. They lost the rights to The Flash, so we're we have to watch mm-hmm. The Flash through Netflix now. It comes out weekly. Um, oh, okay. So it's the only place that we can watch The Flash. All the other DC shows are on TV except for The Flash. <laughs> it's weird. Like, you have to find the DC shows all over the place. They're not on the same network.
0: Oh, that is weird.
1: I know. All right, so I'm going to give it um, five out of five Flying Saucers. Nice. Yeah, it's a very. it was a great episode. All right, what do you got, Brad? Well-
0: I have a role-playing game. No, you don't say. Yeah, I know. Go figure.
1: So unlike you.
0: (laughs) Now, there is a publishing group out of Sweden, Netherlands, like Northern Europe. And they're making some like really innovative role-playing games And this particular system was actually based on a series of drawings that an artist did, which was kind of like a combination of suburban life and like super science, essentially science fiction. So um, vehicles... Magnetic uh, freighter ships sailing, you know, kind of sailing overhead of uh, suburban sprawl, and somebody took the idea and turned it into a role-playing game, and then structured kind of a whole story around it. And the story is, and they made it friendly to to the U.S. as well. So they've structured it so that Sweden and the United States in 19, it was like 1955, put forth, I think it's 1955, put forth this idea to create the ultimate super colliders in the name of, you know, researching things in science. But what you don't know as the player is that these governments are actually trying to do teleportation to like move troops and you know a great deal of freight or whatever, um, uh, wherever they want to send it to. The problem is something went wrong and it actually pierced the dimensions. So now you have these strange things not unlike something you'd find happening in stranger things or uh, stranger things is probably the best equivalent because the game also takes place in the eighties. So it's like 30 years after these experiments uh, were, they started to build them, they finished them and they've been doing the experiments. Something goes wrong and they kind of weaken the walls between the different dimensions. And Other beings slip through from time to time, whether it's, um, you know, alien life from, you know, like uh, animals or uh, sentient beings. But, you know, things are getting weird. Strange things happen. And it's just a really interesting concept. And they actually just released uh, a follow up to it, which takes place in the 90s. So another 10 years has happened and things get a little bit darker. One of the interesting things about this, the Tales from the Loop RPG is you play as kids investigating things, right? Uh, But the kids can't die. That's the whole thing. They can get injured, but they don't die. Once you move into the 90s version of the story, death can happen. It's such a really interesting concept. And uh, the artist... Uh okayed and signed on for this project,
1: and actually provided some some art for it as well sweet okay so there you go what did you, uh what are you gonna give this
0: uh you know i'm gonna give it uh five flying saucers,
1: wow, what a banner week
0: yeah, it's, you gave five uh, it,
1: I gave five
0: yeah. It's a great concept and something I hadn't really seen before. And, you know, there are other games who have done that. But looking at the overall structure as the game, as the game master, you understand a lot more of what's happening in the background. And that whole world, that whole storyline is so well thought out and fascinating that it's just it's amazing.
1: Are you playing this currently?
0: I am not. I, I possess it but I haven't uh, been able to put a group together to to play it.
1: Are you excited uh, to play it someday? I am. I am. Again, let's uh, review our picks and warnings. Our picks this week, Supergirl Man of Steel, the latest episode, I gave that 5 out of 5, Flying Saucers, and Brad gave Tales from the Loop RPG 5 out of 5 as well. And uh, we'll put the links in the show notes, and you can check out our picks as well, and maybe you'll enjoy them just as much as we did.
0: Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going to GNcast.com slash subscribe. Or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere
1: podcasts are offered. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of The Alien Invasion, a Galactic Network podcast. On the next episode, I'm very excited about this. In two weeks, Brad and I will be reviewing the 1977 film Starship Invasions It looks terrible <laughs> And I like movies that are terrible because it has we have a lot to work with yes. so uh, Starship Invasion. if you want to uh, follow along on the podcast of our review, uh, check it out. It is on YouTube. just uh, look up Starship Invasions and you'll find the the full movie and you won't have to pay for it. If you'd like to read more about about the stories that we covered on this episode, click the links in the show notes. Some thank yous go out to Monkey Warhol for providing our intro song called Alien Syndrome. You can find his stuff at monkeywarhol.bandcamp.com. Also to Retward von Dernberg. He did our closing song. It's called Be Water. You can learn more about him and his music at thecaravelle.net. T-H-E-C-A-R-V-A-L-V-E-L dot net. Also, thanks to Ben Olson. Thanks, Ben. For uh, making the disclaimer audio at the very beginning of the episode. Find out what he does and the services he provides at BenOlson.com. And thank you for joining us. Until next time, final thought, Brad.
0: I believe... In Supergirl, what we've been seeing since the season finale of the other Supergirl, we are seeing that is the seed for Elseworlds, the big crossover for CW.
1: Okay. Alright. I'm 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 excited. I can't wait for the crossover episodes. That's going to be in December, right?
0: Yes. All right. And it looks like I'm going to throw this out there. Look up red sun there was a superman story
1: i know what you're talking about
0: and i think that that's that the kernel of the story
1: is there all right i'm excited Mm -hmm. all right thanks for uh, listening this week Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time Bye.
0: this has been a galactic network podcast for more go to gncast.com that's gncast.com